Hello, you are listening to the very first episode of Shut Up and Watch This. The very first episode. The very first episode. My name is Dave. And I'm Ashley. And we are here because we have decided that the best way to get to know each other even better is to subject each other to some of our favorite films and television programs from the past. And maybe not favorite, just um, emotionally resonant, perhaps. Yes. Okay. (laughs) I think we need to give a little backstory. Okay. We have known each other. We've been friends for about seven years or we've known each other for six or seven years. We've known each other for seven years. We've been in a relationship for about two years. Go Almost two years. Almost two years, yeah. And one of the fun things about getting to know somebody new is learning about them through the things that they love and or have had resonance with them. And we're continually finding that one or the other of us has a particular blind spot. There's something that we really liked or that meant something to us, um, like a movie or a TV show, that is just completely off the radar for the other person. And we want them to see it. Well, and I, we should, you know, full disclosure, I'm 10 years younger, so there's a lot of stuff so that there, I just wasn't conscious for, you know. <laughs> <laughs> so there's a reason that we have different backgrounds <laughs> and, and different awareness, okay? Mm. I grew up in the 70s and 80s, right? 80s and 90s. Okay. And so as a rough ground rule, at least to start with, we've decided that I can choose movies or shows from roughly my first 25 years. So we're going to go with sort of 1971 to 1995, 96. And I'll do 81, which was the year I was born, and then to the mid-2000s, somewhere in there, 2005. Right. So there's also kind of a there's a range that's an overlap, and mm. but there's still going to be things that, you know, I was watching that you were not aware of. Yes. Because we're different people. We are, and you still haven't seen The Jerk. Yeah, I know. <laughs> also, um, I, I did go to film school many, many years ago. Um, now I'm a librarian, but that's okay because you're a librarian too. I am a librarian. So I think I was trying to say that there's really no excuse that I haven't seen The Jerk because, but anyway, this is about... Because they un- show it in libraries all the they time. They do. They usually lead with The Cabinet of Dr. Caligari. You see The Conformist by Bertolucci and you build up to The Jerk, but to I didn't jerk. quite make okay. it that far, I guess. Okay. So yeah. Okay. So we're going to take turns each week in, in an episode. Um, Ashley uh, will choose something for me to watch or I will choose something for her to watch. We're going to alternate. And she drew the lucky straw, even though we're just saying that as like, you know, for kicks because we didn't actually draw any straws. No. We just said you choose first. Yeah. So what movie did you choose? What did you make me watch? So I chose The Tao of Steve. It's Tao as in the philosophy. Uh, so T-A-O. Um, it's directed by Jennifer Goodman, and um, a quick internet search shows that it's the only movie that she directed. Um, her sister, uh, Greer Goodman, stars in it, and then Donald Logue, um, who's an actor I've seen in multiple things, um, is also in it as uh, as the aging Lothario. Um, so in brief, it's a movie about uh, aging Lothario, um, who finally meets his match, and and how that affects his world philosophy. That's and it's set in Santa Fe. Okay, so I want to throw it back mm-hmm. though again. Ask you like, when was the movie made, and when did you encounter it? Uh, so it was made in the year two thousand, according to the internet. Um, I thought I saw it when I was sixteen for my sixteenth birthday, but that would involve time travel. No, I I so it turns <clears throat> out it was must have been my nineteenth birthday, um, and I saw it at the theater in Lubbock because that's where I 
grew up was in Lubbock. I would have been in my first year at community college and, um, my family always went to movies on our birthdays and I always wanted to go to the little weird indies. Um, so, and Lubbock doesn't have a whole lot of those. So we would just kind of see them whenever we could. Um, so I was excited to see this and, um, I really enjoyed seeing it. I mean, it's not the best movie I've ever seen, but Dave and I like to watch little indies. Um, and this is one of the first ones that I ever saw. So I wanted to share that with him. And so you did. <laughs> so <laughs> so I, I was aware of this movie. I'm trying to think of where I was in year 2000 ish. When this came out, I would have been in film school already in Austin, Texas. Um, and my excuse is probably that I was busy, like trying to make films or whatever. Grad school is fun. Um, and you don't have time always even to see every movie that comes out. Uh, so I was aware of it, but I never got around to it. I've seen the poster forever, but I never really knew what it was. Um, we played at Sundance that year, and I believe that Donald Logue, um, who I think is a fantastic doc- actor, won a Best Actor Award at Sundance for this. Um, but I don't think it ever got any other awards on the film circuit or anything like that. So. Yeah. So I like that you chose this because it's... It is the kind of like it's the kind of indie comedy that I like that's about the characters and having a really strong, charming actor at the center of it Um, and lots of great banter. Indies that I like. Um, So I hadn't seen it probably in 15 years, although I think I had seen it. I maybe rented it at the video store, you know, back when video stores were a thing still. Uh, So I maybe seen it twice or three times. Um, but I think it's kind of interesting that we, when we're watching it, it, some of the themes are kind of uh, important or yeah. what is the word? For, I just sort of the picking up women using your wiles kind of philosophy sort of thing based on what is going on in the film industry and the world right now. It just seemed like a actually kind of good thing to look at and explore, you know, and then, and then you have this guy who's kind of recovering from that sort of sensibility. Yeah. I think that we need to make you aware of like who Steve is and what his philosophy is. So this, you say it's like, he's an aging Lothario. Well, Steve is like kind of a, he's a kind of a schlubby overweight pot smoking, part-time working, not all that ambitious in the world, kind of hang out laid back, dude um he lives in santa fe he has a background in philosophy but i don't know i didn't really catch you know whether he whether he dropped out or whatever but we pick up with him at his tenure um reunion college reunion his college reunion go to tenure college reunion (laughs) i I wasn't even i think it's a high school thing i don't know but anyway so apparently he that that's what that's where we join him again small colleges in santa fe they suggest that it's saint john's college which is a liberal arts college yeah um so you kind of get the idea you get it you learn a lot about steve in the beginning based on the way that the people from his past kind of react to seeing him again everybody is like oh wow he really let himself go and oh you never really left town and what are you doing and you know not much kind of thing but so we've made him sound like kind of a loser but nobody in the movie reacts to him like he's a loser and he doesn't come across as a loser he comes across as like he's really charming he's 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 self-effacing. He he's in. He comes across as no bullshit, kind of real. Yeah. Um, 
And yet, like, and his, really smart too. Yeah, but the Tao of Steve. So his name is not Steve. Okay, so that was one of my it's misconceptions <laughs> going into the movie. Was I thought, oh, this picture of the schlubby guy in the t-shirt on the poster is Steve, and you know, like the Tao of Pooh was a book that came out a little bit before that. So, but the Tao of Steve is basically. Can you tell us about like? In a um, nutshell, what his whole so pickup artist thing it's, is? Uh, it's, yeah, it is like it is essentially a pickup artist thing, but it's like the thinking man's pickup artist, you know, and he has this whole thing like, I shouldn't be able to get women because I'm not attractive, and but I have these things that I do. So the first thing that he does is he loses his desire. He doesn't want to desire people. So he he pretends like he's just hanging out. Well, he says he he just hangs out with women. Yeah, so and- <laughs> it's like the Zen version of yeah, yeah. the like show no interest, yeah, yeah. you know, show no desire, be cool, that yeah. kind of thing. You know, don't let them know that you're interested. Yeah, and they'll be interested. But he's phrased it as show no desire. Show no, de- yeah, lose your desire. The second part of it is to be excellent in front. So do something that you're excellent at in front of a woman, and it will impress her. What is the thing that that Dex is excellent at? I. Th- think just like overanalyzing stuff i think actually people are attracted to his like pseudo philosophical mm-hmm. like he's he well act- he's read philosophy well, so he, he actually, knows this, it it's, <laughs> this isn't just he's not just some guy quoting random stuff that he read in college mm-hmm. 10 years ago you see him quite often in the book you see his room the books on his shelf you see scenes of him sitting there reads, reading yeah. that's his reading in yeah. his downtime at his job as a part-time kindergartner teacher yeah um is he, i can't remember what he was reading it wasn't kierkegaard but he can he can rattle this stuff off he's read and thought about these things and yet he's channeled it into this weird pickup artist sort of philosophy yeah so the second one uh of the three is um, be excellent. Mm. And I guess we're saying that's one of the things he's excellent at. Yeah. It's the, the talking and the relating to people maybe. And then the, the third part of it is, um, to sort of draw back or, or retreat uh-huh. and then let her come to him. It's you like know? hipsters and for like ghost people. Kind yeah. of. I mean, it's or, or to back off anyway. It's, it's kind of soft pickup artistry because there's no like nagging or anything like that going on. <laughs> right. Um, and something about the first one about show no desire. Um, the way that he describes that and tries to justify it as a, as a philosophical genuine stance is that he's, he's just trying to be himself. I'm just, I'm just present. Yeah. What you want to do is you just want to be fully present with a woman. You want to listen to her. You want to be there in that moment with her. And so it's not about the attraction. It's not about the trying to get her to sleep with you. You just remove that from the table and be fully present. And then they're starting to wonder like, why are you not, (laughs) why are you not even trying? Am I not attractive or what? Yeah. So there's something about that, that I, I don't, really understand how much he actually believes this philosophy yeah or and how much he uses it just as a tool yeah well you know it's interesting because the movie picks up at a time when he's found someone who he's genuinely interested in and so i we don't really get a sense of what he was before is he just emotionless or is he not able to commit because I don't I don't know I'm I'm a little unsure of what his motives are other than to get laid you know well he doesn't he doesn't um 
he seems to have some kind of relationship or commitment phobia of some kind. Like yeah. he, the, the one relationship that he's sort of actually in, mm. in the movie before the, the new woman, Sid comes into the picture is the married woman. Yeah. He's having an affair with his, like one of his best friends wives. And, um, that's the one that seems more like that's been going on for a little while yeah. at least. But at the same time, so we've described this character who's kind of schlubby yet charming has this sort of philosophical thing and he's picking up women left and right. Like he picks up the bartender at the, the thing in the beginning at the reunion. Um, he goes out with one of his kindergarten teacher people, but everything sort of, changes the story starts and it turns into that sort of indie version of romantic comedy when when this character sid arrives yeah she's just in town she's staying with some friends of his she has a temporary job doing set design for the santa fe opera which is beautiful by the way (laughs) (laughs) i know i wanted to see it afterwards you've been i've been a couple um, times so. so what's different about sid for him and at what point do we know well you know it's it's gonna go off it's the romantic comedy trope, which is like, finally, she's someone who challenges him and he doesn't understand why she's not interested in him. And all the things that he does that normally work with other women are not working with her, you know, and then he eventually discovers the reason they aren't working with hers because they did work with her in the past and she knows his game, you know, it. So I was trying to think after the fact, and when I started trying to make some notes for what yeah. we might talk about, I was like, what is the, what is the turning point for him where, where he realizes that he's feeling something and that it's out of his control yeah. and, or what makes him shift more into, so his whole stance is I'm being more genuine by, mm. by having this Tao of Steve philosophy but he's really not because it is sort of this schematic yeah. that he's playing out, the pickup artist sort of thing. Um, but he actually starts to drop that and actually try to be a human with her. And the yeah. t- and I'm getting back to the turning point really is that that scene at the party where mm. he realizes that they that they slept together back in college. Yeah, ten years before, he didn't remember. Mm. He acted as if he was meeting her for the first time at the high school reunion. Yeah. Um, I think she says something to the effect that it took her a while to get over whatever, that yeah. he was a jerk back then or disappeared or whatever. Yeah. But this thing worked back then. And then he didn't remember who she was 10 years later. Yeah. So she's very not willing to, <laughs> to, to, to play the there. game. Yeah. yeah. Well, you know, to me, this is the... I don't know if maybe there are my idea of what the pickup culture is, is that it's not very compassionate to women. But what is alarming to me is that he seemed to be very compassionate and caring about all these women and genuinely interested in them. And then he turns around and several times during the movie, he meets women who have obviously he spent some amount of time with who he, you know, pretended to listen to and pretended to be compassionate about and was able to coax them into, you know, whatever situation he was able to coax them into. And then he just doesn't remember these people and whether that's because he's high all the time 
or uh, he this is doesn't guy, care enough about, I yeah. mean. This is a guy who smokes a bowl, <laughs> <laughs> who's, who, t- who smokes his bong before going in and teaches part-time uh, kindergarten, kindergarten uh, or daycare kind of I don't know how he thing. got the job, but. Um, um, they don't do mandatory drug well, testing New, anymore. New Mexico is a very small state, so <clears throat> <laughs> maybe they don't do that sort of testing. I don't know. You just get the sense that he's kind of coasting and, uh, and putting in just the bare minimum of roots. Yeah. Like, even though he stayed in the same town, he's not really ever committed no. to anything. He lives with a bunch of dudes. He, he lives with like, I don't know, there's always <laughs> like six dudes. Like there's six guys in the house. And he's so, in his early 30s at this point, I think. One of the things I loved about this movie that, that I thought was really effective was his friend Dave. Mm-hmm. I'm Dave, but there's a different Dave in the movie. Um, and what I like is that we learn more about his his pickup artist three rules kind of thing by him trying to coach Dave and how yeah. to do it. And you see various points with how it's working or not working for Dave or Dave saying, yeah. this is stupid. This is ridiculous. I'm not going to do this. I feel like it's all a lie. I'm not being myself and I'm not going to play this game with yeah. him. That's ridiculous. So Dave goes through lots of different. Well, and he eventually gets to that sort of emotionalist state. And, and that's just at the point that Dex has reached the point where he, he is full in with Sid. And then that's when he realizes that what's lacking in his system is the empathy for the woman, which I mean, that's, that's good (laughs) that he gets to that point. What's hard to accept as a viewer, because it's partly the actor Donald Logue is so, well, I think he's really well cast because he's really charming. He's just like lights up the screen. He's so friendly. You could see yourself like you'd want to be friends with this guy. You'd want to hang out and talk about stupid things and nonsense and like, you know, those those endless like college conversations. You could do that for a lifetime with this guy. Yeah. But um, how much of who he is, is kind of, uh, he's, playing a part that, yeah. that whole not having empathy or emotion for people really yeah while saying that he does or thinking that he does or presenting extent. i think that's again the thing that disturbs me is that he presents that he he has those feelings and you know also disturbing is that he doesn't realize that he needs to have empathy for other people until all of a sudden you know his heart is broken and then he's like oh this must be how other people feel, which I mean, unfortunately is kind of how our, um, our culture sometimes is with things. <laughs> so we haven't really talked much about Sid other than the fact that this is a woman who finally, like he really wants to know. Her. Yeah. He, he can't, well, can't and he sh- can't and just she, like yeah. seduce her and be done. Like she, he actually, she's actually somebody who's finally like, I want to know this woman. Well, I want to be with this calls woman. calls him on, on his bullshit, you know, which is... Rem- I think it's awakening, yeah. an awakening to him how terrible a person he yeah. actually is when he realizes how he treated her yeah. before and didn't even remember it. Like, Well, and he didn't, that was, he didn't even take the time to know how awesome a person she was because he was so focused on, you know, getting, getting the girl that he didn't notice the material that was there for a fantastic human being. And Sydney is like self-actualized and she has a great job and she's interesting and she has interesting things to say. And, um, she's pretty, you know, all of those, all of those things that you would want in a person so they could actually have real conversations. And she has his number. Yeah. I mean, she's, she's, she knows what he's up to kind of from the beginning. He realizes that his usual lines and stuff aren't really working. 
Yeah. She kind of just rolls her eyes. She calls him on it. Yeah. Rolls her eyes. <laughs> she, for a certain amount of time, she enjoys kind of hanging out with him anyway. And he's a good friend to have. Yeah. But, um, he, she's the one he starts changing for. Yeah. I feel like there's not that much of a, he tries to change or mend his ways section to the movie. Well, I mean, like, there's, what, how do you feel? Starts, did that feel natural to you? So I guess it starts at the party when he and I, I don't know if this point he actually is starting to feel maybe he's starting to feel things. But he says to her that he feels like he's falling in love with her. And she at that point is kind of like, you know, you don't just drop that with someone that you're just talking to and and that sort of thing. Um, it's very manipulative. It is and, manipulative and in that in that sense. But then you know he fixes a bike for her as an apology. I think he fixes the bike for her after he learns about the the terrible thing he did about their past. That's right, because that happens. He at the starts party. trying to do things for her. Yeah. So he fixes the bike, and then that's when she comes in and says, "You're being manipulative again," and that hurts his feelings. So that's the when he starts to, I guess, realize, and then. There's the scene where he goes camping with her uh, and, he and his friend. Scare. And he has a health scare, yeah, because he's not healthy enough to go camping. But I, I just, I just want to say something about the music in that scene because I think that the music, and I, I can't find anything on Wikipedia about this, but I think that the music is made like by a friend's band in Santa Fe or something like that because all the music is tailored to the script and everything like that. So this, this song that's featured, like the line is, I lied about being the outdoor type. And it's like he's out hiking and camping and like he can is barely dying. He's, yeah. he's got the backpack on. They're <laughs> hiking. They're hiking all day. He's out of breath. He's he's a chain. He's not a chain smoker, but he's yeah. he's he's a smoker. He's overweight. He's out of his element. He's sweating buckets. He's putting himself at risk for a heart attack or yeah. something. And there is a health scare that that also is kind of another turning point. Yeah. Um, I have to ask. So like right before the health scare, they they share the tent. The, yeah, they have they the thing tent. in the tent where um, he freaks out because there's a spider in his tent and his whole tent collapses as he's trying to like get it out and all that kind of stuff. he's not good at making tents. Right. <laughs> he's, the tent falls apart as he completely freaks out and tries to get out of it at night. And um, of course, uh, Sid's like, oh yeah, you're just trying to get into my tent. Mm-hmm. Well, he does end up in her tent because the buckets of rain start pouring down, thunderstorm. Cut to he's in the tent now. I have to ask you, was there a spider? Do you believe him or not? Uh, so I think that at least I think they want us to believe that the spider was real um, because he repeatedly backs that up, including right when he was having a health scare. So I think that that regardless of well, I think they wanted us to believe that I there agree. was actually a spider. I agree. Yeah. I actually I don't know if it's in the writing or <laughs> yeah. the way that he played it, but I believe that he actually feels a little wronged and hurt by the suggestion that he made up the spider to get into the tent. Because I think at that point he's trying a little harder already. Yeah. And, um, there are a couple times when he gets called out on his honesty like that, where he actually, you can see in Donald Logue's performance and in his eyes and stuff that he actually feels wronged or hurt. His his feelings are hurt. The guy who doesn't have feelings, (laughs) his feelings seem hurt. Yeah. His feelings are hurt, but I mean, like she has every reason to doubt him on everything, you know? So, you know, maybe he has a reason to feel hurt because he isn't, but she doesn't really have a reason to trust him. Exactly. And then, you know, eventually, you know, they get closer, they get closer, and then they sleep together. Ta-da. 
And then the morning after, um, it kind of falls apart because she realized she learns about the philosophy for the yeah, first time. The Dave comes home and talks about how he was super successful getting some girl because he used the Tao. And so then Dex has to explain it to her. And then when they're at the, at, they go out for breakfast at the restaurant, um, they run into another of Dex's conquests. The waitress has obviously spent some time with Dex in the past and, um, uh, he doesn't remember. And so, Sydney feels, I think, justifiable that he hasn't changed. And let's, in all fairness, <laughs> yeah. she's two days away from leaving town. Yeah. She was just in Santa Fe for temporary for work. She's going back to, was it New York? Or? New York, yeah. Yeah. So it's, it's a, it's time to just kind of end it and move on and go back to their lives. Yeah. And they start to have that conversation before Dave comes home because she's like, I'm going to be headed back to New York. And he was like, well, maybe you could stay a little longer. And she says, well, I have a job in New York, you know, working on the set design for the, you know, one of the New York operas. Um, and she's like, well, you could come to New York. And then that's when Dave comes in. So it's kind of the, the continuation of the relationship is sort of up in the air at that point. Um, Although we end with him appearing in New York. In New York, yes. At the moment that she's trying to leave a voicemail yeah. just to say, hi, I'm thinking about you. Yeah. And there he is. And that's sort of the moment we leave them at. Yeah. So we He's don't... come to New York at least to, yeah. to reconnect. Yeah. And Which she... is a nice place to end it because it's not about do they end up together. Yeah. It's about does he tr- does he start to try to grow yeah. up enough to, main- to connect with this woman yeah. that may be the first woman that he sees as a real human being. Yeah. Which is a little disturbing when you think of it that way. But um, it doesn't come across as disturbing the whole thing. Yeah. I mean, do you want to kind of do final thoughts? Sort yeah, of, let's do like, some final thoughts. I want to say like, I, I really liked the movie. It's totally up my alley. So you had me pegged for that kind of, I mean, you know, we've talked about all the stuff that it gets into it, but it's a very light, enjoyable Easy watch. I think it's about 90 minutes long. 87. And um, it's got a fantastic script. Donald Logue, I was trying to think of where I saw him before, so I Googled him. Do you know where I realized where I saw him the most? He's been in millions of TV mm. shows as, like, you know, Guest of the Week or whatever, recurring roles. Yeah. I realized he used to be on ER oh. as Dr. Susan Lewis's nurse um, ex, ex or oh. her husband kind of thing. And that's, that's what I realized yeah. I'd seen him in. So the first thing that I saw him in was... Uh, a sitcom called Grounded for Life, which I used to watch in rerun on ABC Family or one of those things. But it's about sort of something they don't really make anymore is a working class family, um, Irish, and um, they have teenage daughters and kids and, you know, they have a creepy uncle. And, you know, it's it's actually it's one of a really interesting presentation of an Irish working class family, which um I hadn't seen before, so that's kind of an interesting thing that he was in. But um, he was also in a really great series called Terriers, which was unfortunately canceled. It's an FX show, and we should watch that sometime. Um, oh, possible, yes, possible pick yes, for the future. Yes, it's a very good um, detective. Kind of like um, grimy Veronica Mars, also set in Southern California. <laughs> I'm, I'm intrigued already. Yeah, grimier. Um, so I really loved this movie from the very beginning. I grew up about five hours from Santa Fe, so I was very familiar with the area. It's beautifully shot. There's sun-drenched, just like Santa Fe is, and um, the dialogue is really good and funny, and um, yeah, 
So next time I'm out at your place in uh, West Texas and your mom says, let's drive five hours to Santa Fe, Mm -hmm. I'll say, yeah, we should do that. And we should go to the Opera House. Yes, we can go to the Opera House and the George O'Keeffe Museum. And, you know, George O'Keeffe painted there because of the beautiful light many artists have, but George O'Keeffe in particular. All right. That's it for Shut Up and Watch This, I think, unless you have anything else to add. What are we doing next time? I don't know yet. So uh, next next time, uh, Mm. it's my pick, and Mm. um, I will try and find something that uh, maybe complements your first choice, and we will go from there. Will it be brilliant or will it be terrible? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> that, by the way, that that was an early uh, earlier version of the title for this show. Brilliant or terrible? I don't. I, I I'm going with um, this movie was more on the brilliant side. I of think things. so. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. All right. This is Dave. This is Ashley. See you next time. <laughs> <laughs>